I need a volunteer. Ashton, I see that hand. I, w- I won't make you talk more than yes or no questions. <laughs> Justin and Jamie are like, you never want him to come back to church again, do you? <laughs> hey, buddy. So this guy, he's going, he's going into his, uh, his freshman year at Westlake High School, and he's going to be playing football, and I cannot wait. I've watched you watch. I've, I've watched you play in Wiffle Youth, but I can't wait to watch you high school. So now, you excited? Is it going well? Heck yeah. He's, he's, he's a beast. He's a beast. He's going to be fun. So anyhow, hey, so grab that bucket. Um, if I would tell you that uh, you could be you could make yourself a good person by putting some weights in that bucket. How much, how, like, how, throw some weights in there. How good do you want to be? Oh, he goes right for the big ones. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay, there we go. Get some more. You got to, okay. All right. He's going to break the bucket is what he's going to do. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, so it's getting a little bit heavy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. But you know what though? I mean, that's you getting yourself better. I know a really good guy right over here. Tony, Tony, come on over here, Tony. He's, 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 I mean, come on up here. Come on up here. So, so, so the, the best shape that I have ever been in my life was when he was training me at the gym and, and, and I got so, so healthy that I blew out my shoulder. My, my joints couldn't keep up with my, and so, um, so, so he's going he's gonna to help you become an even better person. So go ahead and just add some, add a little bit more in there. Just, he's going to kind of help you be a good person. So just follow what he's doing here. Okay. All right. Okay. There we go. Maybe, maybe just a little bit more. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. Awesome. Okay. That's okay. One more. One more. Just for good measure. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Let's give him a good. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, Coach. Coach. Coach Mills. So it's getting a little bit heavy, isn't it? So those are all the things that you put on yourself and you allowed other people to put on you. But you know what happens in life? Life. So life happens. So here's, here's the other bucket right there. And here's some financial issues. Here's some, here's some mental issues. Um, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Come on, he's having to regrip. Hey, hey, he's trying hard. Let's give it to him, right? Okay. Um, here's some relational issues. Um, here's some health you know, it's, it's getting a little bit heavy, isn't it? Well, I tell you what. Go ahead and set it down. Okay, all right. You stand over there. You stand over there. Not all the way over there, right here. Okay, all right. Okay, you lift that up. Can I help you? Okay, thanks for letting me help you. It's still pretty heavy, though, isn't it? Okay, let's, let's maybe put some of these over here. Is that getting a little bit better? Oh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's shoving it over. He's like, get this off of me, right? Okay, so first of all, thanks for letting me help you. I appreciate it. It's a little bit easier, isn't it? Okay, well, this was stupid. You didn't need to do this, okay? <laughs> Pardon my language, but screw Tony. Um, <laughs> that's for my shoulder. And, and you didn't need to do this on your own, right? And let me help you through... I'm going to give you some steps to follow, and we can get rid of that problem and that problem. 
Is that getting a little bit better again? Okay. Okay, so here's some things. I want you to get a little bit stronger. So, no, not that far. Don't just let me, I'm going to let you take that much, okay? So you're getting stronger, right? He's hitting the weights and he's getting stronger. You get stronger by breaking down your muscles, right? It's just how things work. You want to get faster, you break down your leg muscles. You want to bench more, you, you, you break down your pec muscles, right? Okay, that was good. Well, let me take that off of you, give you a little bit of rest here, okay? Okay, we're going to, yeah, let's, let's work through these issues and, and that'll be better. Okay, some relational things. That's getting a little bit better. Okay, just let me take this for a little bit. Okay, just relax. Okay, all right. Okay, I'll pick it back up again. We got this, right? A little bit easier, right? Okay, let's give Ashton a hand. All right, now you can go sit down. <laughs> okay, so there's, there's a lot going on in that illustration. There's certain things that I want you to understand. There's also some certain things that I don't want you to think. Um, But this is kind of a picture of what Jesus wants us to understand in this morning's passage. Um, The whole point is that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we experience freedom. We experience rest. We experience grace and love and wholeness and healing. And a lot of times what happens is that we fill things into the buckets of our lives because we think we need to do it. We put so much pressure on ourselves to be more, to be better, to do better, to do more, everything like that. And so we fill all these things into our buckets. And next thing you know, it's kind of like, I can't bear this weight. I'm going to go get help from somebody, right? And we have well-meaning friends, counselors, advisors, coaches, teachers, influencers, or whatever that start putting more weight in. And now all of a sudden our to-do list becomes more and more and more. And and it's kind of like we can't bear that weight. And so what Jesus shows us in this passage is how he comes alongside of us and, and he says, can I please take this load? Now, here's the thing. We're going to dig into it a little bit more. It's not that we work with Jesus for our salvation. I want to be very, very upfront and clear. Salvation is won for us by Jesus. He ultimately takes on the weight of our salvation. But in life, life still happens. And so he wants us to learn in that process. So we're going to dig in um, to, this, to this next passage of, Ma- of, of Matthew. Uh, we've been going through Matthew. Uh, we're going to finish up Matthew chapter 11. If you've been following with us, Jesus came onto the scene. He's been doing this radical stuff. He's been healing people, setting people free from demons. He's been raising people from the dead. Um, just all sorts of crazy stuff. And then he starts teaching. And he starts kind of uh, sharing these things that kind of thumb the chest of the religious elite, the experts of the law. They're called the Pharisees. And, And it doesn't really go well. These Pharisees have given their lives to studying, following, teaching, and enforcing the law. Why? Why is the law so important in their minds, in their hearts? Because the law is how they think you are made right with God. So if you have issues in your life, well, you must have broken a law. If you want to have a good life, well, you got to follow the law. The law was basically the, the, the way to be right with God. And Jesus starts uh, challenging that, and he points out how these religious insiders miss and deny the evidence that Jesus is the promised Messiah who is there to set them free. 
And so this morning, we're going to see how he puts an exclamation point on this with a prayer. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Now, this is kind of funny, right? He says, you've hidden this from the wise and clever. The, the wise, literally, it comes from the Greek word sophos, which is where we get sophisticated from. The sophisticated elite, they are, they are skilled, they are experts, they are the, the top of the top, right? They are the, 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 the pinnacle of what we think it should be. And then the clever, it means they're intelligent, they're learned, they've given their lives to studying these things. They're the experts. But then he contrasts that with what's called the childlike. And childlike is exactly what it is. It's childlike. It's infant, right? It's untaught. It's unskilled. It's naive. And so what's interesting is how this, this good stuff is hidden. It's concealed. And, and that the, the word hidden here is the, is the Greek word crypto, kryptos, which is cryptic, encrypted, it's, it's kind of disguised, it's hidden, it's concealed, it escapes the notice from the experts. But it's revealed, and that word revealed means uncovered, laid open, uh, disclosed, to make known. Who, who figures it out? The naive, the childlike. They're the ones who get to see who Jesus really is. Now, why would Jesus conceal stuff from the experts? Because a lot of times when we think we have mastered something, we become the master. We own it. It's ours. We control it. We dictate where it goes and what it does. Whereas a child graciously, joyfully receives the help from God. I've, I've shared this story a while back, but um, I remember when I was getting my master's degree, uh, there was a classmate that I had, and he was... I still don't know how he, that all this was true because apparently he was big in the horse world. He was a cardio doctor. He was a heart surgeon. Um, he had all sorts of titles, and he and he was a pastor of a church. And uh, and I'm I'm no brain surgeon or heart surgeon, so I don't know. You know, he must have been a lot smarter than me. But what was really annoying is during our lectures, he would actually have the nerve to correct our professor, and it was annoying. I mean, he was, he was just, just tic-tac stuff. He would kind of call out the professor in, our entire, in front of our entire cohort. And it was like, well, actually, what that means here? And, and finally, after, after class one day, I went to uh, Professor Swoboda. A.J. Swoboda was his name. He was a young guy. And I think the other guy was kind of like, well, you're, you're so green behind the ears. You're not even 30 yet. What do you know? You know, this guy, he was so much wiser than Professor Swoboda. And so we were grabbing lunch with, with AJ, and I said, hey, dude, I'm paying a lot of money to hear you, not him. Can you please do something about this? And he goes, yeah, it's kind of annoying, isn't it? I was like, yeah. So the next day when we come back, and this guy, he's starting to try to correct our, our professor, and he goes, you know what? It seems like you're trying really hard to master this passage, aren't you? And he goes, well, yeah, I got to master it. And he goes, maybe instead of worrying about mastering it, worry more about being mastered by it. And I'm kind of like, oh, that's worth the thousands of dollars I'm paying right there. And that has stuck with me. Instead of trying to master this, be mastered by it. 
Jesus isn't, isn't saying, figure me out, figure out the codes, figure out how to, how to make me do whatever you want, turn me into your cosmic genie in the sky. No, let me be your Lord. Let me be your Savior. Let me work in your life the way I want to, instead of me just following whatever you want, right? The problem was that the religious experts of the law viewed themselves as exceptional, unique, special, entitled, better than. They had given their lives to being religious in every way. And so they viewed themselves as entitled to all these good things. There was no room for anyone else to be sovereign in their lives other than themselves. That's a problem. Because why Jesus? Why would we need Jesus to do what he's about to do on the cross if we can make ourselves better by carrying more weights in our buckets? Instead of relying on our own efforts and mastery, we need to be like kids who humbly receive gifts that are given to us. There's a simplistic beauty at how a child is joyfully dependent. I know it's not always that way, but you think about how a child is so thoroughly dependent on their parents for everything. Jesus wants us to surrender to him and simply receive what he has to offer instead of trying to earn it ourselves. But what gives Jesus the authority to make this claim? I mean, because this is a radical shift in their religion, in their culture, in their world, right? What gives this Jesus guy the authority to make this claim? Verse 27, my father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father, and no one truly knows the father except the son, and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. As part of the three-in-one triune Godhead, the Son is intimately related to the Father and the Spirit. The three-in-one, three distinct beings in one. They are in the most perfect, intimate relationship that we could ever imagine. I know in our marriage it says two become one, and it's kind of like, yeah, we can kind of understand that. But let's be honest, even the best of marriages have some hiccups here and there, right? But here is three in one, perfect unity in their relationship. And what's so cool is that Jesus calls us into a relationship with himself like he has with the Father. This is not a a, a light little thing to where just accept Jesus into your heart and things are going to be better. He asks us to enter into a relationship, a relationship that is so profound and deep that it radically changes everything about us. Now, let's be honest. A lot of times we have problems because we get too stubborn, busy, impatient, demanding, apathetic, whatever it is, to have good relationships. We have so many relational issues going on in our lives that we have a hard time having good relationships amongst people that we can see, let alone our creator who we can't see in the flesh, right? It's hard. What's really interesting this week, I had somebody um, uh, send me an, uh, an article, a website. It's a, it's a big counseling movement that's coming right now, and it's actually geared towards helping people who have been hurt by religion. Now, I, we talk a lot about that. We, we have a book downstairs that we push really hard called the, Sp- the Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. And it's because a lot of us have come out of church situations where, where it, was, it was honestly kind of abusive, right? And, and the Bible and religion and position and, and, and structure 
is kind of used to control people, and, and there's just a lot of unhealth there, and, and there's a lot of people who have been hurt by that. It's just a reality. So I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of interesting. But where they're actually taking it, though, is that there is nothing wrong with us. We are perfectly good the way we are. Now that starts to get a little bit crazy because if there's nothing wrong with us, then what happens when we start to get greedy and jealous and angry and lustful and violent and all sorts of stuff that we just naturally kind of do? Where did that come from? How do we handle it? Right? If, if, if I am perfectly good the way I am, then I should just get more in touch with who I am to be a better person. Well, where did those bad things come from? It comes from the sinful brokenness that we're born into. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer or anything like that, but we, we oftentimes, we see the brokenness of our sinful state that we inherited. We didn't do anything to, to try. It's just we're just really good at sin the way we are naturally. That's the bad news. But the good news is that Jesus died for those sins. He gives us freedom. He says, stop striving on your own, right? Be still and know that I am God. Stop striving on your own. Surrender to me because that's where you're going to get freedom and victory in all these struggles. You see, if it's all, if, if I am inherently just good the way I am, and all of a sudden I run up against the sinfulness and my, my, my brokenness, right? If I have an anger problem or a lust problem or, or a jealousy problem or a greed problem or a controlling problem, right? Like, like I'm going to do one of two things. Either one, I'm going to justify that. Well, I'm justified. I'm a good person. Therefore, it's not greed. I just deserve that. It's not lust. I just want to be happy. I'm, I, it's, it's not anger, it's righteous indignation, right? Because I'm right and they're wrong and they need to realize how wrong they are. That's one path that we go down. We justify the brokenness in our lives. The other is self-help, where I'm going to bust my butt for the rest of my life to try to be a good person and control everything in my life because it's up to me to fix it. One is pride, one is shame. Neither are good paths to go down. We, are, we're, we're, we basically become exhausted, shameful, afraid, prideful people. And that's what the religion was leading towards. That's what Jesus was addressing. This breaks Jesus' heart, and it's what he came to get us out of. The rest of this chapter, verses 28 through 30, he says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This is radically different from anything else in Jesus' day, and really today as well. You see, Jesus was a carpenter, right? He was raised in a carpenter's family. And so when we think carpenter, we think, you know, in that day, uh, rafters, door frames, window frames, things like like furniture, things like that. But they didn't have steel implements. And so they also made agricultural equipment, things like plows. It's weird to think of wooden plows, but they had wooden plows. And what do you pull that wooden plow with? A yoke. Yokes were designed to fit over the shoulder of oxen. 
And a lot of times they would have a team of oxen, and so they would have these cutouts that were fit to that oxen, right? And, and so you have two different oxen, you have two different kind of cutouts, and they would fit it to where it fit that team perfectly. And then they would basically pull the load or lift the load behind that yoke. Now, what's interesting is the Old Testament, the word yoke was kind of meant as the yoke of slavery. So they had been conquered, they had been uh, displaced, they'd been in exile, and and slavery was basically a yoke on them. Ironically, by the time of Jesus, the word yoke was meant as the yoke of the law. There's some interesting irony that people kind of just, oh yeah, yoke of slavery, yoke of the law, right? And I don't think they were trying to be ironic about it. I think they were just kind of like, yeah, take on the yoke of the law. And so um, they were basically put the law on ourselves because that's how we're going to get through this. And so, like we said before, if the law makes you right with God, then you better follow it to a T if you want to be right with God. But Jesus shows us a different way. He says his yoke is rest, it's peace, it's healing, it's love, it's freedom, it's grace. He basically comes along and says, let me carry this load with you. And there's times where he's going to let us carry some of it because we need to learn. We need to grow. We need to have some things stripped away from our lives. We need to have things broken in our lives. We have to let things go. But then really the the reality is, is that he's already carried the load for us. And we get to live out our salvation. We always say we don't work for our salvation. We get to live from it. There's a huge difference there because he carried the load of our salvation. Now we get to carry the load of life whether it be trying to figure out what life is or, or handling what life throws at us, we are never alone. He is with us every step of the way. Now, here's the thing. If we cast off our yoke and we pick up his, he's in control. It's his yoke. We don't determine where he goes. It's his yoke. So we get a go along for the ride. And that's where this struggle that we have, and I'll be honest, over the years I've realized that one of the core struggles that I have is the sovereignty of God. Because if God is sovereign, there can only be one sovereign. If you have two things that are claiming to be sovereign, one's not really sovereign. Does that make sense? Either God is completely sovereign in our lives, or we are. There's not room for two sovereigns. And I realize how often in my life I fight for my own sense of sovereignty. I want to have control. I want to have authority. I want to be this. I want to be that. And instead, I need to realize, if I, put, if I take on the yoke of Jesus, it's free and it's his. He is the Lord of my life. I am not the boss of him. And so that's what he wants us to understand. And it, it was so beautiful is that he puts this yoke in the context of, instead of a law, a checklist, a to-do list, a morality code, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. You see, this self-help, this, this, you know, I'm a good person, everything like that, it's still law. Whereas Jesus calls us to relationship that is truly freeing. I like the quote um, from the um, Life Application Study Bible. It says, a relationship with God changes meaningless, wearisome toil into spiritual productivity and purpose. So when I'm sharing this load with Ashton, instead of just being a stupid load, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to give you this. You're going to be able to handle it. I'm not going to give you more than you can handle. This is, is going to be hard, 
but it's actually going to, you're going to look back and say, wow, look at what I learned from carrying that load, but it was never out of control. It was always under the control of God. He had me the entire time. We need to take on the humble, gentle kind of yoke that Jesus gives us, and we need to cast all other yokes aside. We need to relinquish control and surrender it to him. So here's the big idea this morning. Jesus calls us to surrender our lives to him. We talk a lot about how salvation is surrender. I remember growing up, salvation was praying a prayer so that you could go to heaven when you die, and that was basically it, right? I accept Jesus into my heart, and then I realized, no, salvation is surrendering my heart to him. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference. Instead of cramming a little bit of Jesus into Jason, I give Jason to Jesus. It's a foundational difference. Jesus calls us to surrender our lives to him. Here's three things to remember about Jesus' invitation. One is his invitation is counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. Some of you might be arguing with me in your mind. You're like, yeah, but, yeah, but, well, what about this? What about that? I get it. Let's talk about it. Let's wrestle with those things. We need to wrestle with those things. But what's cool is that Jesus is actually echoing what the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said hundreds of years earlier. In Isaiah chapter 29, it says, And so the Lord says, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Or another translation of that is their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as if they are commands from God. It might sound really good. It might preach really well. It might come away, you know, let's, let's post that one. You know, that's such a good ear-tickling saying, blah, blah, blah. But it's not actually from God. Because of this, I will once again astound those hypocrites with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away, and the, intelligent, the intelligence of the intelligent will, will disappear. Sounds familiar, right? And I love how Paul actually repeats uh, what Isaiah and Jesus said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. The whole idea of the cross is goofy, guys. Why did he have to die on a cross? Every religion in the world denies the power of the cross except for historical, biblical Christianity. Because it's on the cross where Jesus won our atonement for us. He was the ultimate sacrifice who gave the complete, he gave his entire life, and that's what sacrifice was. Historical biblical Christianity is the only one that truly preaches the gospel of the cross. Why? Because it's everything. It sounds foolish. It sounds goofy. How often have you ever talked with a friend who doesn't believe the way that you do, and they're kind of like, what? Well, that's dumb. Why did he have to do that? You're right. It sounds goofy, but it, it, it's the good news that we have, right? But we who are being saved know that, is the, that it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. It's crazy to think that to, have to, to be able to hold on, you have to let go. To be able to win, you have to be willing to lose invitation of Jesus is counterintuitive. Number two, Jesus's invitation is into a relationship. Please hear me. Jesus's call is not to a leader. It's not to me. It's not to Drew. 
It's not to, to any leader here. It's not even to greenhouse. It's not to a building. It's not to a program. It's not to a structure. It's not to a strategy. This is not us. It is Jesus. He calls us into a relationship with himself. And it's so easy to attach all those other things to Jesus when it's, we are only here to point people to Jesus. We need to remember that. It's an invitation to a relationship. And then last, Jesus' invitation is good. Now, the whole idea of God being sovereign and, and just and perfect and powerful, that's a little bit scary, right? Because how often do you read things in the Old Testament and then there's even some things in the New Testament where it's kind of like, oh, that's cringy. <laughs> that's really awkward. Why did he do, why, why is that in there, right? It can be a little bit scary. It can be a little bit intimidating. But you, can, you, you keep that in the context of Jesus. It all points to our need for Jesus. Jesus is good. He is loving. He is sacrificial. He gives himself for us, and we can trust him. We all need to remember that Jesus loves us. Some of us here this morning need to be reminded that right here, right now, you are loved by Jesus. No matter what you've been told in your life, no matter what you've told yourself, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, Jesus loves you you. He loves you. He gave everything for you. And we can surrender our lives to him because he is good. So moving from belief to action, this is a great concept, right? But if it only stays a concept, it doesn't do its job. So how do we move from knowing to doing, from belief to action? Back to the buckets of weights here. This week, let's examine our lives. Let's visualize a bucket of our life and let's look at what weights are in there. What weights have we willingly put into the buckets? We've picked up weights along the way and we've put it in there. What have we allowed other people, very, probably very well-meaning people, to put into our bucket? What load are we, where, where are we trying to carry? And, and maybe there's weights from life, right? Maybe things have happened, and, and it's not the script that you would have written or, or things that you've wanted, but, but we, we constantly are kind of like, I got to carry this, I got to carry this, I got to carry this. What does it mean to surrender those weights to Jesus? We're going to end as the worship team closes out, but we actually have a, a bucket full of rocks, and... I'd invite you to come take a rock, take two, take ten, however many you feel you need. And I'd encourage you to, to process and to think, God, what, what weights am I trying to carry right now? And how can I surrender that to you? As, as we sing, it's going to be kind of like how we do communion. Just come on up here and we'll gather around here if, Rich is a good musician. He'll just keep playing until we're done. It's all right. But just take those rocks and, and identify what those rocks are for you. And when you're ready to surrender those things, come and drop it in the bucket. Surrender that. Release that. And when you release it, release it. Don't, don't walk away like just, oh, I'm going to take it right back, right? When you release it, it's gone. 
Walk in that victory this morning, amen? All right, let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you that, um, God, you give us your yoke, and your yoke is not heavy. Yeah, life can be heavy, but God, with you, you're walking with us. You're carrying that load with us and for us. God, you've paid the price for things that, that we try to do on ourselves. You've won victory that we oftentimes feel like we haven't really experienced yet. But God, this morning I pray that we can identify those things that are maybe weighing us down. We'd experience freedom, transformation, forgiveness, love, joy, peace, and rest through what you've done for us on the cross. God, I pray that as we, as we do this, um, God, it would be meaningful for us that we can identify the things in our lives that we need to surrender to you. God, we surrender these things to your power, to your love, to your grace. Amen.